Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And speaking of traveling the world, we're here in beautiful Buenos Aires, one of the most vibrant cities in the world. We arrived a few days ago. We're going to be basing ourselves here for a few weeks as I run my big Digital Nomad Mastery Summit. If you're interested in that one, make sure you check it out at digitalnomadmastery.com. And if you're interested in our travels around South America, make sure you check it out at daddyblogger.com. And as we're traveling, we love interviewing fellow world travelers and uh, you know people who are in, who are super passionate about uh, traveling the world and inspiring others to do so as well. And on our show today, we're going to be covering about how you can also make your travel dreams come true in 2018. And a lot of us want to travel more, but we put it off. And uh, you know, as we're en- uh, you know ending 2017 and entering 2018, you know that's one of the big goals of a lot of people to travel more. And our guest today is Karu. Papritz, and he's known as the Cowboy Philosopher. So we're going to be finding out about how he came up with that creative and ingenious title. He's also the author of The Legacy Letters. Uh, so we're going to be finding out about that as well and about uh, some of Karu's travels. So Karu, uh, welcome to the show. How are you doing today, my friend? Oh, Ricky, doing fine. It's great to be on your show. Thanks. It is great to have you on our show. So, Karu, why don't we do a quick introduction, uh, get to know you a little bit better. I know you have a big name out there in the World Wide Web or YouTube, et cetera. But for our sake of our listeners and viewers, why don't you share a little bit more about yourself? Okay, sounds good. Well, um, I think the main thing that I've been doing these last couple of years is uh, bringing out my book, The Legacy Letters. It's an inspirational fiction book. Um, I'm fortunate and humbled. It's, it's won five national awards, and it's the only book in publishing history to win awards in both fiction and nonfiction. So that was, uh, that was a, quite a big surprise when that came out. The book is a series of letters written by a father who would never live to see his kids, and these letters eventually become their spiritual guidebook for the rest of their life. And so they grow up with these letters and decide they want to give 40 of the over 200 letters to the world. And that's what this. Wait, hold on right there. We'll show it to you live on World Wide Web. There she blows. So it's a very readable book. But the nice part about it, it's an appetizer book, meaning. You can read it, you come to the end and say, gosh, I wish there was more, there is more, the Legacy Letters Complete is coming out next. Have an appetizer dinner and dessert is the music, so I've written all the music for the book, so that's coming out next. So that's sort of what's been going on in the book world. Awesome, and uh, you're known as a cowboy philosopher. I'd love to hear a little bit about the origin story. How did you come up with that clever and creative moniker? Well, that, <laughs> I think that was stuck on me by some people I don't know, but I got to tell you, I worked, um, I got an interesting backstory to this. Small ranch when I was growing up in the state of Washington. And so I'd been around that type of lifestyle uh, when I was younger, bouncing around the world, ended up in Hollywood. Um, I got my degree in filmmaking at UCLA, ended up on feature films in the art department. Is that the, the, the fast pace of life, the golden fast lights of uh, Hollywood were not my style. Driving around the West and ended up, uh, I just completely fell off the face of the earth in effect and found a job working um, on a small ranch in uh, along the border between Mexico and Arizona. 
far from the maddening crowds you could get, and I hadn't picked up the pen seriously since my early 20s. I had published a number of books, and there the, the, the book was written while I was working as a cowboy on the ranch. So when it came out, there it was. Sounds great, Karu. So uh, before we get into the book and a little bit about what you're doing currently, we'd love to hear about some of your travels. We love talking travel on the show, so we'd love to hear about some of yours. Oh, gosh. Well, it's really fun because this this book, you know, one of the things about uh, a legacy life, and a legacy life is not so much what you leave behind, but how you live now. And I think that really fits in travel and the reasons why we want to one of the reasons why we want to travel we really want to live passionately world and i love fellow travelers actually one of my secret favorite letters in the book is called travel the world i'll have to read a, a small portion of it a little later but um so what is in the book has been informed by the travels i've had in my life um audience you and i were just talking about and I've, I always try to combine them with the work that I'm doing or the whatever. So when I was 17, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to make the Olympic team, be a writer and be an Olympian. Gee, I, small goals, right? So um, I wanted to become a cross-country ski racer. I'd been racing for most of my life, and I figured I was born in Norway. So I ended up going to school there and skiing with the junior Olympic team and racing and it was great. Why is because I, I like to tell people I did great in racing with Norwegians because I always came in dead last. The reason is, is these guys, they come out of the womb on skis. So, I mean, as good as I could have been, but it was an incredible experience and then from there i ended up traveling through europe typed you know, backpack on the whole nine yards and this was back in the late 70s early 80s i ran into the pope amazing amazing tell us pope. more yeah so here i am I, i'm doing this thing i was up in norway and i decided i gotta go see the rest of the world way to a freelance reporting gig down in the Middle East, which I'll, so this is all heading toward the same direction. And there I am in Rome, early morning, where early, early morning, must've been about 6 a.m. or so, this drunk guy in front of me. Hey, how you doing? Oh, and I look over across the square and there's this little gathering of people. And I look over there and I, what the heck's going on? He goes, Popa. Popa. I says, Popa. He says, Why? He's conflating the words. I said, Pope, the Pope. Are you kidding me? I walk over, and there he was out having a morning walk, just meeting people. You know, you just sort of say, Well, your ends. <laughs> I mean, what else do you say to the Pope? He's out having a good time. So I tell people I haven't washed his hand in 25 years. So That is hilarious. So tell us a little bit more. Uh, any other current travels you want to mention? 
Oh yeah, well, and then and then from there, I headed to Lebanon. I ended up in the middle of the war. So I was writing about the war, which is actually one of the stories in the book. It's called, you know, On War. I think that was probably one of the most life-changing moments in my life. You know, to be 17 years old in the middle of a conflict and you generally don't like to talk about the horrific things. You want to talk about the amazing things, the amazing people you met, but there was a combination of both. So it was an extraordinary moment. And that's informed the book and do is somehow travel related. It ends up So Karu, uh, tell us a little bit more about the book. Uh, what's the, what is the book about? are interesting because this father is he's it sets up as a tragedy because he and his wife we find out uh, they're not going to be together much longer and um, he ends up in a mountain cabin letters for his kids that he's never going to live to see um, and these letters are written a long time ago maybe 50 60 years ago we don't know because they're private letters again this is all fiction he decides he wants to, this is sort of one man's opinion about how to live life to the fullest. And it's everything from buy a used car and take care of horses, um, of how to deal with loss, how to, how to, I mean, really it's the gamut, how to work. There's, there's a, a letter there called the, the Art of Working. And so at first he writes to them at, 12 years of age, and you realize he's just trying to grasp how to write about life, and then he just lets go and starts writing the full gamut of everything that he wants to, to share with them. One of my favorite letters is, is travel the world, and so that's, um, but he writes about traveling, and he writes about death and dying, and but all these things are within the context of tragedy, not as a sadness, but really trying to live life, hang on to life. Uh, as much as he can, and to pass that passion for living on to his children. Sounds great. And as a dad of three kids, that's one of the things I want to do as well, leave a legacy for them through a blog and through our travels and just through living Absolutely. our own dreams, right? By living by example. Absolutely. You got that. You got it. So how did it manage to win both fiction and nonfiction? Because usually in the library or a, you know, in Amazon, there's two different categories. So tell us how you fuse these two competing categories together. Well, I think that the way that the people were looking at it was that people are using these letters almost as fiction life lessons fascinating things you know I've done hundreds of book signings all over the US and around the world and people come up to me and say they're just so hungry to find meaning in their life even more than ever because the way the world is seemingly sort of inched people are feeling asked maybe because of the world's electronics or maybe because of the politics things are just very People are trying to find a way to, to, to reconnect with themselves and with others. That's part of this really trying to find purpose again.
Yeah, that's something I definitely encounter as we're traveling around and as I'm interviewing people. Part of the reason people are traveling is they have this yearning and desire to live a life of design and purpose and contentment and not just by default and working a 95 job or waiting till you retire, but, you know, finding that direction, that vision, that clarity now. So I'm glad that you're helping people do that. I, I know one of the cool things you do is you do book signings, like you mentioned, around the world, but in very unique circumstances. So, so tell us about some of those unique that's a good setup because I love talking about this so I love getting kids excited about uh, reading I'm a big uh, literacy advocate um, but one of the things I really wanted to walk my talk about the book you know live life to the fullest well gosh you're on a book signing you're writing a book that doesn't look like you're living life to the fullest. although being an author is cool but I'm an outside guy I want to take it as wherever I can go. So I started doing these first ever book signings. That mean? Well, I had the first ever book signing, um, for example, on the top of Mount St. Helens in Washington State on top of the volcano. Signing. People come up here. We did it. I did the first uh, ever modern day book tour coast on Amtrak. So I'm signing books on Amtrak. I'm getting off the train. I'm doing book signings in uh, Barnes and Noble, at Costco. Getting back on the train. Weeks, thirteen cities. Um, I've done uh, I done river uh, river raft tours. Um, I did a recent book signing in Cuba. It was the first ever book signing post Castro, and I gotta tell you that was incredible. And um, along the same time. I got books. I got uh, kids from three states to bring books together and write letters to put in the books, and we gave them to a school in Cuba. Trying to find ways to not only have fun, but to get out there and create this message of. I mean, I think I think the American spirit is our best export. Gosh, I don't know why we're doing this stuff with Cuba, but I got to tell you, it is really cool. The Cuban people are so excited to have Americans there. So I'm building the walls, tearing them together. So that's another aspect. But um, And then just recently, did the first ever book signing while stomping grapes. Did that at a winery up in Washington. We've been trying to do that uh, in a place called Woodenville next to the Chateau Saint Michel Winery, or a place called Covington Cellars. And there, if you look on my YouTube channel, you go to Carew Paprick's YouTube these videos, and that was one of the latest ones. For literally an hour, you know, uh, and signing books, and it was a blast. That is hilarious, and I actually had a chance to look at that video, that particular video you just mentioned uh, before I interview. So highly recommend. I'll have the link below to your YouTube channel so people can watch all of these videos. And if you have a creative idea for Kuru on where he can do his first ever book signing somewhere in the world or doing something unique, definitely uh, comment below, and Kuru will hopefully do it. That was cool, Ricky. I like that idea. That's a great idea. Hey, last summer ever YouTube scavenger hunt that I said all right so what I did is I took 20 videos and I um, and I placed a copy of the book I'll show you right here the book see that yellow X there are five copies of the book 
that you had to find the 20 videos and what we did is we made it a charitable event so if it, it was free there's a kindle and uh, some of them cash prizes but you could also if you bought a, a copy of the book keys to the make-a-wish foundation but what was really cool is we'd have bonuses so people could look at my previous videos it was a way just to get people to look at all these videos and one of the that I love to do is called I love to read short I'll be on the back of a horse with the book and go I love to read and, and then take off and that was the horse I got married on get that horse to stop farting every time I did that three takes and but I'm doing it on top of Mayan temples I have one we just did in Germany, um, in Iceland. Um, we do them just in, on big hikes, on glaciers. So they're all over the world. So check that out and get your kids to take a look. It's a lot of fun. That sounds like a great idea. I love it. The YouTube scavenger hunt with the books with the X on it. So tell us about, uh, uh, you mentioned about leaving a legacy. Uh, tell us about how people can live that legacy and leave the legacy. Well, again, as I mentioned before, one of the things I sort of discovered in the writing of the book, you know, and the idea of what legacy is, because we all think about legacy as what we leave behind. And I started to think it seems to be, it doesn't seem exciting enough for me, current enough, and it doesn't seem to include passion. It doesn't seem to include these things that I, that, gosh, I'm right here right now. Why am I not thinking about leading my legacy now? Why am I not trying to like you're doing? They're seeing what you're doing. I think not only by example, but you're showing it to the world. And I think that's one of the great things you can do. So your moment really showing people what that means. And I think I'm called the regret test. The regret test is, is you think about 95 and you look back on your life and you go, man, done that. And then you go, well, guess what? You're not 95 now. You're this time. You're not going down that road. So you can change it and make it the life you want to lead. So, for example, if it's travel, travel goals. Wherever they be, they can be small. God, and love. I think we're both of the same feather here. We love to travel around the world. It's for those of you that are living there. Incredible place. Our national parks are just jewels. My dad was a ranger. I was brought up in national parks. I love them. The best travel is just around the corner. To be big and dramatic and all over the heck and gone, but my gosh, that's a great way to make those goals. Couple of big goals out there, but have these small goals that you can attain one after the other. Yeah, I, I love that suggestion too, because a lot of people do they travel is too expensive or too difficult or too far. But sometimes it's uh, just in your neighborhood or just in uh, trying out a new restaurant or trying out a different ethnic food or, or going to a different uh, park or, or traveling around your own state or province. So I love I love those suggestions yeah. too. I think that's again part of that legacy. If you say I want to my kids or I want to be able to share that life of, of 
being passionate of, and I think too, if you can travel, my brother's in Africa right now and he goes around and he helps build orphanages around the world. So he combines this good about giving along with this act of, you know, he, now, now he can go and do a safari and I mean, he's, he, <laughs> he's sort of unencumbered but uh, it's really cool that he combines both. And I love when we're able to do a bit of both, you know, be able to able to give books to other kids along with letters. Bring a little bit of that along on a trip. A way to sort of bring us all closer together. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of the things we talked about at the beginning is uh, this whole thing about the transition of the year. You know, it's a time when people are really uh, thinking about the meaning and thinking about the new year and setting a new course or direction for their life, setting those resolutions that everyone sets or most people set, but then they break. Tell us a little bit about your philosophy on uh, setting resolutions and starting the new year and starting it as yeah. the best you can. Best you can. So. I really thought about this. I mean, yeah, of course, I'm the cowboy philosopher. You're really supposed to think about this stuff, but uh, try to distill it. I'll sort of hold on to. And I thought three things. Slowness and an E-free life. Kindness. So I think than ever the old golden rule really matters kindness matters you know I was thinking about you know she she's got her fit that I got to get my steps in we all see I got to get my steps in today get tractors but how about tractor acts of kindness did you do today how many to do. I'm big on politeness. I'm just my son, boy. I mean, if he's, if there's one thing that kid's going to be, he's going to be polite. <laughs> Creating that, that, that positive energy and, and in that way, that's a, that's a great way to be in life is to be kind. It is slowness. So what I mean by slowness is, um, this lady, I was of all things, I was on, I was traveling to a book signing, book, and you know, you you talk, and oh, you're an author, of this, and I said, yeah, here's the book, and you think, and she actually read almost the whole book. She said, your book is a go slow book. That is really cool. She said, it reminds you of what's important in life to slow down. You know, we all talk about mindfulness, being in the moment. Even with travel, as we, one of the things I've discovered in travel is, as much as I wanna do, I think it's better to do less and enjoy more. So that's, you know, maybe spending a few more days in one place rather than go, I've gotta go to, I've gotta go to Madrid, I gotta go to Barcelona, I gotta go to, just so I can just check it off on the bucket list to say I've been there. That's cool. Chance to really talk with the people, be with the people, just enjoy the atmosphere, right? Buenos Aires. Oh, my gosh. I probably would end up living there for the next three months, but that's another story. Let's talk about an E-free life. So I run away from their electronics. 
interesting. Steve Jobs, um, a couple years before he died, he um, was interviewed by a New York Times reporter, and it came in. The reporter was shocked. Jobs would be everything would be electronic. You know, you'd be greeted by an electronic butler. There'd be iPad. You start talking to Steve Jobs by the I mean, whatever it is. Be so, his kids would be so invested. He goes, hey, read. And and the reporter was shocked. He says they listen to music. They yeah, this is part of our lives. Unplug, and you hear that from people. When we travel, is as much as we want to capture the moment, and you see it all the time. It's okay not to capture the moment. Be in the moment. It's okay to put the phone down and say, "Time out." Do this all. We see this all the time in restaurants, right? Each other via their chat. You know, we're talking to someone else, and I go, golly, folks, we've only got this amount of time on the planet, each other. So I like to, I like to suggest to people to create e-free zones. Table, no phones. The dinner table, I give it to the dog and tell them to go bury it. Um, or phones in the bedroom. Whatever you decide on is important in your life or like I said, when you're traveling, hey, you know, honey, can we just put the phone down instead of this reaction like, whoa, you're taking my phone from me. What are you? No, 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 no. Let's decide before we go moments where we don't have the phone. We don't have to record all of life. Again, kindness, slowness. I think those three things coming into 2018, not too shabby. Definitely not shabby indeed. Uh, I love those, uh, you know, uh, uh, kind of those, uh, those ways of living, living with kindness and living slower and then living free. And I think we all struggle to some degree with things like social media or phone addiction or, uh, you know, like being glued to our technology. So I, I love the, the last suggestion as well. One of the things when we're doing, we're traveling, we actually don't bring an iPad or tablet and our kids they're able to find creativity in the simple things. Like we do long bus journeys. For those of you who've been to South America, you'll know that there are long journeys between country yeah. to country or city to city. And our kids are just uh, playing games and they're looking outside the window and they create uh, uh, things to look at and they point at. And I love that because I look at other kids on the bus. I'm like, man, you know, the, the kids are just glued to that uh, device for like five hours. That's yeah. not good for their brains at all. So uh, definitely a big advocate. Totally agree. Free life. Totally agree with you. Yeah. Love it. Same with my son. We travel. The only time he gets to be on an electronic device is on the airplane. He knows that too. That's like, that's the only time out, and he can be glued to it till his eyeballs are coming out. But after that, looking at maps, you're looking outside. I got to tell you a funny story. A few weeks ago, and again, we don't have it in the car, even when we're going to. Uh, and he's in the back seat, and he's looking out. He's he's 11 now, so he's looking up. And I said, uh, "Do you want to talk about something? Do you want to listen to some music?" Goes, goes, I'm daydreaming. Daydreaming for a while. I said, "Wait a head. Believe, lovely thing. I am daydreaming. How many kids?" 
Yeah, beautiful. I love it. I love that sentiment of, uh, you know, just uh, uh, focus on that reflection that we all deeply need. It's funny you mentioned all this because uh, just yesterday we're here in Buenos Aires and uh, there's actually the, the, the famous statue of the thinker by Rodin. Uh, it's originally obviously from France, but uh, I had a chance to see it in my 20s. And just uh, yesterday we were in Buenos Aires and we came across uh, this uh, Rodin statue and I got the kids to uh, pose with it. So just teaching them about this value of thinking and reflecting and, uh, you know, enjoying that moment uh, and appreciating life uh, for all its beauty. Oh my gosh, absolutely agree with you. And especially, what a, what a great gift to pass on to your kids. Oh my gosh. The fact that they're going to be able to look up in the world, you know, as instead of the downward-looking generations, just always right here looking down. My gosh, look up, look up and see what's coming at you. Look up and that's the world. You're absolutely right. I think what a great gift, Ricky, you're giving your kids. Thank you, thank you. And uh, you know, I wanted to just show for people watching this. There is the thinker statue, and this was just taken yesterday with the kiddos. Uh, thinking away, <laughs> hashtag the little thinkers with the Rodan statue. So there you go. That's great. That is super cool. I love it. Thank you, Karu. Hey, Ricky. Uh, so, yes. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask you about, you know, uh, uh, when people set out their resolutions, a lot of people have the common resolutions, like such as I want to make more money, I want to get healthier, I want to travel more, I want to, you know, like uh, have a better relationship with my spouse or kids. And then all of a sudden, 12 months later, at the end of the year, they're like, oh, man, this is another struggle financially. I didn't I gain more weight instead of losing weight. My relationship's in a worse state. I didn't travel at all. So they have these lofty ambitions. And yeah. we all do that. But then in the year, they didn't achieve them. So uh, why do you think that is? Because you are the cowboy philosopher. I love your thoughts into it. And how can we conquer our own you know, limitations to to meet our goals. My gosh, that that cowboy philosopher thing really sticks me into a corner sometimes. <laughs> I was on the TV. You must have all the answers, right? You must have each and every answer to all of these questions. Oh my god! You know, one of the things that's funny you brought you brought that up. I think it's it's not so much about what is your why. Okay, I think that's I think that's instead of okay. Well, why do you want to lose weight? I want to feel better. Why do you want to feel better? Well, because my life is like this, and all of a sudden you start asking all these why questions, and it sort of leads you back. Question of all, well, my life's not really going where I want it to go. Well, where do you want it to go? This direction. So of I want to lose weight to this big big picture type of deal and I think once you sort of say you know I want to bring for example happiness into my life at me get for happiness people are like oh you gotta sacrifice you I'm all about that too but I think we could have a heck of a lot more happiness in the world so people out there that aren't happy so let's ask why aren't you happy is it relationship wise is it I'm not making enough money is but weakness there's a strength and vice versa right so let's take the money one oh, I'm not making enough money 
the money deal, then the relationships tend to falter, right? They can, or you can be in relationships, or, or you're just moving too fast because you're, let's say you're going to be, say you're a teacher, you're only making X amount. My dad was a college teacher. The world. Oh my gosh, we didn't stay in fancy hotels, but man, the gift that he gave us. Some amount of money. So you can make these things happen. Or even people saying, oh, I can't afford to have a kid. Are you kidding me? Of course you can afford to have a kid. It's what you think is important, what you define as important in your life, and then making it happen. But it's sort of a roundabout way. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree that you need to set that foundation of that why, that uh, the reason you're doing it, you're not just doing it because everyone else is doing it or, uh, you know, like even when you're wanting to make more money, the money itself isn't the end goal. I mean, who cares if you have a lot of money, but what can you do with that money? Uh, are you going to uh, buy a new house? Are you going to buy a new car? Are you going to travel more? Are you going to live a more luxurious? Luxurious? Are you going to give back and make a difference to support your local charity? Are you going to put your kids through school, right? So it's like figuring out the why you want to make more money or why you want to get healthier. Why do you want to travel, you know? That's one of the things we cover a lot in the show, the whole philosophy of travel and what does travel give you in terms of that deep inner change, the mental change, the spiritual change, the heart change, the change in perspective and paradigm, you know? So I do, totally agree. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, and that – I. I, that's a perfect segue to something because I really would love to read a small from the book on travel the world and it talks about here. Yeah, let's do it. Let's uh, let's hear a little bit more about the book there from the book. All right. So he calls his kids little ones because he doesn't know their names, and so you hear that throughout the book just to let you know. So here we go. Ones, not only for the passion and madness and desire of movement, like bread and water and air, become necessary to a life fully dreamed. It's through traveling you make the great journey into yourself. Of extremes in traveling that forces you to meet yourself, met yourself before. Loneliness and solitude are the secret passageways to travel's neverland are experienced as you lay fever sick, trolled into the hollow of a small cluster of boulders, delirious to the night sky, lying on the wet ground in your sleeping bag, a stone's throw from the railroad tracks, waiting for the Corsican train that today. Friends and God inside of you are the only medicine that can save you at that solitary moment. And then, as capricious as a summer snowstorm, travel will grant you a great day of upending exaltations. Hope while out for a sunrise stroll through St. Peter's Square, and then 50 minutes afterwards, Italian goddess, while you both drink from some ancient stone fountain, your eyes meeting each other in that universal smile, which is the language, lust, attraction, and sheer fright, and then later that evening across city and time and millions of Romans, you magically run into one another at the Trevi Fountain, of all places, a whole host of strangers to act as your interpreters, to ask her out for a date that evening, and she accepts. You begin to understand that traveling.
Beautiful. Apropos, apropos. I love, I love, the, I love it. Uh, you know, traveling isn't just traveling. Well said, well said, my friend. Thank you, Ricky. So I think that's this a great so way nice. to end up the show today. You know, if uh, people wanted to connect with you, get a copy of the book, follow you on social media and your YouTube channel, you know, maybe attend one of your amazing book signings around the world. How can they do that, Karu? That's uh, wonderful. Well, head out, of course, to the the Legacy Letters. That's the main website. Um, of course, the YouTube channel, Karu Paprits YouTube. You can uh, lots of fun there. Facebook, another great place, and. Uh, Daddy, them all, Amazon, if you can get a book there, if you're in the States, Barnes and Noble, Costco, local, and those local bookstores, if they don't have it, I'm a big supporter of local bookstores, say, hey, please order this book up. Hope to see you, and if any of you ever come up, I'm on top of, I don't know, doing a book signing, please say, Ricky sent me. There you go, there you go. Make sure you say that you found out about uh, Kuru and about his amazing book from our show, you know, The Daddy Blogger and Digital Nomad Mastery. So thanks, Kuru. It was great to chat with you. Definitely very inspiring. And I wish you the best, my friend. We'll catch up with you soon. Here. It was a pleasure. You as well. And thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode. Make sure you grab a copy of that book, The Legacy Letters, and make sure you follow along Karu. He's a dose of joy and laughter and inspiration on YouTube and uh, social media, etc. And make sure you follow us as well as we inspire people to travel the world. As we see, we our big goal is actually to visit every country in the world. Currently, we're at uh, 73 countries on six continents. So stay tuned as we uh, in, embark on this big, amazing journey. So thanks, everyone. We'll catch you in the next episode of Digital Nomad Mastery. Happy travels and happy new year.